chapter 11. Stand with me, if you will, for the reading of God's Word. I want to ask each of you uh, at the end of service today, on your way out, to come and get uh, the communion. They're, they're portable, they're sealed, and I want you to take it home with you. I want you to take it home with you. And sometime today before you go to bed, I want you to spend time alone with the Lord and do what we're going to be talking about in the lesson today, a private communion just between you and God. So after service, don't forget, come and get your elements and take them home. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty nine through 32, I'll be reading out of the Amplified Version, which just means that this translation, the meaning, the exact Hebrew and Greek meanings are amplified with English words. Let a man, this is a believer, thoroughly examine himself. And only when he has done this, should he eat of the bread and drink of the cup. That means this ordinance of communion. For anyone who eats and drinks without discriminating and recognizing with due appreciation that it is Christ's body, he eats and drinks a sentence, a verdict of judgment upon himself. That careless and unworthy participation is the reason why many of you are weak and sickly and quite enough of you have fallen into the sleep of death. For if, say that with me, For if we examined ourselves, detecting our shortcomings and recognizing our own condition, we would not be judged and penalty decreed by the divine judgment of God. But when we fall short and are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined and chastened so that we may not finally be condemned to eternal punishment along with the world. Remain standing for just a moment as I give you an introduction to this. The Bible speaks of discerning the body and blood of the Lord, but that is not limited to when you take communion alone. We who are believers, we house God, and we are to walk in an awareness of that. There's nothing we can do to save ourselves, but we can do many things to bring upon judgment upon our lives. Not eternal judgment being cast away, but a temporal judgment. And God said, and I'm paraphrasing, that you, you church people, that you just take communion and you live any old kind of way. That's why some of you are sick. And others of you, you've buried your loved ones because they walked irreverently. They walked rebelliously. Or it could be even in ignorance. But this has more to do with the person that refuses to discern. And I want to speak to you this morning, if the Lord would allow, on the opportunity and responsibility of examining yourself. As believers, we know that Christ paid for our sins. But we must confess those sins for that grace to be applied. If I judge myself, God will not judge me. But if I don't judge myself, He will judge me. In essence, he lets you pick. So the mature believer walks in a a humble contrition that leads to a freedom and a liberty. Because if my own heart doesn't condemn me, 
You know, there's no, therefore now, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. No judgment. How can you say that? Because I've already judged myself. I want to speak to you this morning about the, the practice of examining yourself. Father, I just humble myself before you today. Uh, I examine myself and uh, I don't esteem myself. But I thank you that grace has been sufficiently applied to me. And through repentance, I now can say according to your word that I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Through that uh, being given to me, applied to me. Lord, I don't want there to be dark spots or wicked ways or secret closets in my life. Cleanse me, oh Lord. Cleanse us that we might be whole. Teach us that you want, we can't expect a grace to cover that which we won't uncover. But if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let it be so today, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. First thing this morning about examining yourself, this is post-conversion. Those of you who have been born again, it is your responsibility. It's yours. Now, I can allow myself to be examined not only by the scriptures, by the preached word, by the taught word, by the read word, uh, by the spirit, but it's my responsibility to look, to use my eyes, to pray that the Lord would reveal my heart to me. You are to uh, discern and examine yourself by the scriptures. If you're taking notes, by the scriptures, not your feelings, not the opinions of men. Be, you know, in, in the land of the blind, a one-eyed man is king. You don't go and get your cues from other carnal people. Jesus said in John 17, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. James 1, be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Because if you hear the word only and do not practice it, you're like someone looking at their face in a mirror. They behold themselves and go their way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But if you look into the perfect law of liberty and continue therein, not being a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, you will be blessed in your deed. The scriptures being the final authority. The scriptures being the guide. The scriptures. Not a, not a culture that changes and dilutes and pollutes the standard of God. But the scriptures. Judge yourself according to the scriptures. Where you'll read, uh, if a man does not uh, love his brother, he's a murderer. If you do not from your heart forgive every man their trespasses, your heavenly father will not forgive you. So the standard of forgiveness is based upon how he forgave me. And I must, in the fear of the Lord, forgive everyone. See, it's not, well, the Lord understands. This person ought to be shot. This person ought to be judged. Well, those without Christ will be judged severely. And you need to remember, ain't nobody getting by with nothing. The righteous judge of the earth is going to do rightly. But the scriptures govern you. I can't hate because the Bible tells me about that. If, if I say I love God and love my bro- uh, hate my brother, I'm a liar. Judging yourself according to the scriptures, an unchanging standard, a divine standard, a permanent standard, an accurate standard. 
You would examine yourself by invitation, invitation, participation, and submission to the Holy Spirit. Psalms 139 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way of everlasting. Think of this when David wrote these words, Search me, O God, and know my heart. God doesn't have to search him to know it. God already knows it. See if there's a wicked way in me. God knows all things. He already knew. What was David saying? I want to participate in this with you. Search me, O Lord. Show me the condition of my heart, my mind, my soul, my actions. Show me, O Lord, so that I might humble myself before you. He wasn't asking God to be enlightened. He was submitting to the light of the Holy Spirit in his life so that he would know the things that displease the Lord. Paul would write it this way, choosing the things that please the Lord. It is our responsibility to examine ourselves, but we do it for the person and the sake of Christ, not just the meeting of the standard. For me, um, whether it's an immaturity or what, it, it's harder to turn away from the person of Jesus than just some standard of living. It's the person of Christ. I examine myself by relationship and the person of Christ. I picture the one that hung naked and was bruised and beaten and gave his life a ransom for me. He, his visage was so marred that the people did not recognize him. He was so beaten and abused. It's that one to whom I examine myself that I might live pleasing unto him, worthy of the calling for which he called me. We'd examine ourselves willingly and daily with a spirit of humility and sobriety. Willingly examine myself. I was able to share a few moments with the men, just some of the things in this message. And, and you know, those of you that got kids, there's the ones that obey and there's the ones that willingly obey. Uh, hey, yeah, Isabel, Olivia, will y'all go pick up sticks? <laughs> Oh, oh, no, 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 no. That, I can't do that. <sighs> now we're going to pick up acres of sticks. <laughs> Kelly, we, they did something the other day, and Kelly said, I'm going to make them take laps. I said, ain't no productivity in laps. We're picking up sticks. We live in the woods. <laughs> they, they picked up pounds, tonnage of sticks. And I'm trying to teach them about be obedient and willing. Willing. So when the Lord whispers in your heart or speaks through someone just like you on a Sunday morning. He said, examine yourself to see if you be in the faith. Yes, Lord. Examine yourself in the light of my word and my countenance. Yes, Lord. And when you see what you see, deal with it soberly and accurately and immediately. Repent. Confess your sins. The goal is not to stay. I was talking with a brother after Wednesday night. Uh, he was sharing with me and uh, I knew his heart. It was, it was dead on. The goal is not to live in a state of always, always examining yourself in that sense. Because the closer you walk to Christ, it gets quicker. It's like, is there anything between me and you, Lord? No, good, I didn't think so. And you live. You live in a freedom, a joy. Of God is mine and I am God's. And there's nothing, no space between. But you can't get to that without the humility of heart that lets the light shine 
in its brightness upon our life. I told you a couple weeks ago, uh, especially to our new married couples, you know, one of the things you learn as a man that you didn't have any idea, they have a different mirror than we have. They got one in the bathroom. You don't know what it is. It just kind of swivels around. And, and then some of them got a Q-beam hooked up to it. And you punch that and it just melts your retina. It just the retina, it burns your eyes out. Y'all are so quiet this morning. That was really funny. That, that, that really was. And, and you turn, flip it over and it's magnified and you go, oh my goodness. You got like disease and you didn't know you, stuff on you. You want to get, you know, girls get special pads. We get sandpaper. We get grit. And you just did not realize what was there until the light hit it. That's why we want to walk in the light of his word and the light of his countenance. And then you'll see what other people don't see. You'll know what other people don't know. And you'll do what other people won't do. Sanctifying yourself in the truth of God's word. We examine ourselves accurately and thoroughly. Listen, without excuse or leniency. Now what I'm about to tell you is a pivotal part of this message. With no excuses... The man, the Christian that's good at excuses is rarely good at anything else. No excuses and no leniency. Well, that sounds legalistic. You didn't let me finish. I can't partake of my mercy and his mercy. I give myself no leniency so that I can fully partake in his mercy. You follow me? No shortcuts, no Uh, exemptions, no exclusions. I look in the mirror of your word and it's an accurate assessment of who I am, where I'm going, the pace I'm going, what I've allowed. I confess my sins and then I partake of an undiluted divine mercy that brings about the joy unspeakable and full of glory. I don't want my mercy. I want his mercy. Isn't that good? And you want, it's your responsibility to examine yourself so that you can lead and instruct others in the ways of righteousness. The Bible says, why do you behold the, the mote that's in your brother's eye, but perceivest not the beam that is in your own eye? And liberal Christians, quote Christians, use that to say not to judge people, but that's not what it says. It says, but how can you say to your brother, let me pull that mote out of your eye when you have one in your own? First, cast out the one out of your eye. Then you will be able to help them with theirs. There is an interdependence upon one another. And we don't examine ourselves so that we might lord over anyone else. We examine ourselves one of the reasons, besides pleasing the Lord and to live righteously and holy, it's that I might be a benefit to you. I might be able to tell you about my victories and my coming out. And my deliverance and the bondages being broken and the sanctification. And I can see so good if mine is cleared up that I can help you with the most sensitive thing, your eye. I can help you with yours. What's happening is we're half blind trying to help blind people. And everybody's getting hurt and wounded. But the person that can see... Is gentle and tender, remembering their own stuff that they came out of, considering themselves, lest they're also tempted. It's your responsibility to examine yourself. The Holy Spirit will convict you. But the Bible teaches us that many people just ignore that. They just act like 
well, that's not the Lord. Or, that's not the Lord. But when you're in a practice, you can say a daily practice or a during the day practice or moments where you get away from everyone and you say, search me, O oh Lord. I'm telling you in my experience, the quickest prayer I ever have answered and it's never not been answered. I have unanswered prayer in my life. So, well, not answered yes. Sometimes it's no. But I say, Lord, is there anything between you and I? That right there. You ain't got to wait. Just have your legal pad out. Have your pen out. There's no wait and seek and search. Get your pad out. This one. Call this one. Forgive this one. Pay that to that person you owe them. Stop acting like you forgot. So-and-so, so-and-so, so-and-so. Go tell your wife you're sorry. Again. Go tell her again. Go tell her again. Even if it's not for you, she needs to hear it. Tell them again. Tell them. Tell them. Tell them. And you got this long list. Why, why would the Holy Spirit be so active? Because the Holy Spirit comes. He wants to bring glory to Jesus. And if Jesus died to reconcile you unto himself, the Holy Spirit wants to keep you reconciled and keep you in the same pathway, a nearness, a blending. Number two, and there's only three, by the way. Number two, it is your opportunity. It's not only your responsibility, it's your opportunity to test yourself, to prove yourself and refine yourself. That's what that word in the Greek means, to examine yourself, to try yourself, to, pure, uh, to prove. You need to examine your origin and source. 2 Corinthians 13.5 says, examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except you be reprobates. To the professing church, he said, examine yourself to make sure that you are in Christ Jesus. Not religion, Christ Jesus. Have you been born again? Did you come to God in an awareness of the gospel which your sins had separated you from God? There was no hope and no help. You had nothing you could do. Your soul heard the message of, about your dead spirit being dead in trespasses and sin. You cried out to God for him to give you life. And him, see, see when you come to the Lord, you're not doing a um, rehabilitation of your life. It's death and resurrection. And he said, examine yourself to see what kind of faith you have. There's a lot of people that go to church that are not saved. Do you hear me? A lot of them quote Bible verses, tell you chapter and verse, and still are not born again. God tells you, examine yourself. Make sure that you're in the faith. John, what part did you play in your salvation? None. What do you mean none? None. He's the author and the finisher of my faith. Well, did you pray? Yeah, but I wouldn't have prayed unless he convicted me. And he convicted me, which is him giving me permission to repent. He gave me the light to see my darkness. He, he, salvation does not come by the will of man, the Bible says, but by the Lord. Now, I, I participated in it, but I didn't play any parts. Brother Sego every now and then comes over to my house and he does stuff for my family. And I, I'm just always so humbled by his generosity. But he got Elisha uh, a, a plastic tool thing. It's about this big. It's a tool. I don't even know what it's called. Just a tool bench and it's got places for his plastic drill and you know and he's got a place for a screwdriver and got all kinds of little toys and he got his little belt. See Johnny don't have no tool. I don't know what to do with it. I just Brother Sego brought it over and had all these tools and he's gonna help Brother Sego and then when he leaves he helps me. Daddy I'm gonna help you and he's got his little plastic 
Look what daddy and I built. Was he there? Yes. Did he participate? Yes. But if anything got done between me and the five-year-old, I did the doing. Okay. That's what your salvation is. You got the plastic tool belt. You're like, I prayed. How do you think you prayed? Where'd you get your air? Where'd you get the will, the desire? Where'd you get the message? Where'd you get the truth? Where'd you get the conviction? So examine yourself to see if you have a religion or if you are in him and he's in you. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. We need, it's our opportunity to examine our general attitude and disposition. Our general attitude and disposition. None of us pass this test all the time. Can I pastor you just a moment? But if your general attitude is negative, something's wrong. If your general attitude is faithless instead of faith-filled, something's wrong. If your general attitude is sadness and not joy, something's wrong. Now, we have both of them. But the Christian is supposed to operate at a level that he can both be sorrowful and rejoicing at the same time. There's an inner possession that transcends the temporal realities. Hungry yet full. Unanswered yet answered. Feeling isolated yet never alone. We are to examine our attitudes and ask ourselves, how can this pure spring bring forth that bitter water? And the Lord will show you where the, the bitterness starts. Where the, uh, you, do you know, don't point at him and don't elbow him. But do you know anybody that you ask them, how are you doing? And it's 10 minutes of everything that's wrong. And then they go, they put a little tagline, but I know the Lord's able. And by the time they're done with the 10 minutes, you're like, thank you, Sister Death. I think it's just all over. So what's the balance? We say this is a difficult season. In fact, this is as hard a season as I've ever walked through. But God is so near me at the kitchen table when I opened the book. This morning, he told me, I am with you and I will never leave you nor forsake you. That ought to be it. Examine your attitude. How are you? I'm kicking. Is that supposed to be good? Now you can tell the truth. I have a default setting. How are you? I'm tired. In my bones tired. And these kids, y'all didn't tell me about all this. Y'all. Jesus, take the wheel. Lock me in the trunk. All right, let me move right along. Uh, I lost y'all on that one. Examine your attitude. Well, if my mother was this way, well, like that's an excuse. Your mother's also a girl. <laughs> anyway, can't say that today. That... <laughs> I just want to take this opportunity to uh, wish Bruce a happy Father's Day, an early one. Anyway. Sorry. Happy Father's Day. Well, John, you need it. Well, I just, I'm identifying this morning as young, thin, wealthy, and a full head of hair. How about? 
It ain't working, but I identified anyway. Okay. You know we live in an insane age, don't you? Yeah, okay. Might as well laugh. God's laughing. He's just, what in the world? Not only your attitude, but examine your words. A good man out of the treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good, and an evil man out of the treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For out of the abundance of the man's heart, out of the abundance of a heart, the mouth speaks. These two things right here ought to be something you take this week. And by the way, when you take your communion home, you may not take it tonight. Examine these things. Lord, why do I have the disposition I have? And what about my words? People who are spite-filled in their words. Um, always. Now, we experience, all of us experience these things, but they're not supposed to be dominant traits. Always angry. Always defiling the character and nature of someone else. I don't mean discerning false teachers. I'm talking about, well, I, I never liked them. Just out of that... Oh. Why does a heart bring forward such, you know, I, I see men talk to their boys under the guise of toughening them up and call them stupid and S-H head and things like that. And I just wonder, what kind of poison is in your heart for you to, they don't realize it when it comes out. They'll see something, uh, someone walk by and, oh, they blank. They'll, they'll say a, a vile word. We are supposed to operate in self-control. If the Spirit abides in you. The fruit of the Spirit is self-control. It doesn't mean that we don't think those things, but we don't have to articulate carnal thoughts, even if they're accurate. One of the prerequisites for leadership, for me, is the law of kindness in their mouth. Is the law of kindness in their mouth. Kindness, gentleness, meekness. If I were to ask your children, what is your general disposition, what would they say? Or your spouse? Or your words? If there's a pricking there, that's a good thing. That's a holy thing that lets you know. God is showing you the thing not to make you feel worse, but so that you can walk to the fountainhead of that bitterness and get it out. Lord, this bitterness comes from not forgiving this person. And I, I just let it go. And I pray that you bless them. I speak good to those that have done evil to me. And you get it out. And then the stream starts to flow. Now, on a side note, not trying to be less spiritual, but if, if you don't get enough rest and you don't eat right, this can happen too. Your heart can be right and your body is just screaming. So, you know, if you're going on three hours a night, I don't know why I'm so mean. Go to bed. <laughs> you don't know what it's like. Go get a hotel. Go in your yard. Sleep. Get by yourself. Daddy's not coming home till he's sweet. All right. So examine your attitude, your words. Examine your priorities and values. Listen to your pastor this morning. Where your treasure is, your heart will be. The most valuable things in your life is where your heart is. If I had to do a quick, it's not in my notes, just a quick one. It's the kingdom of God. Of course, Christ being the head of it. 
my wife and my babies than ministry. That's what I value. But if your priority's out of whack, if you're living to be seen, living to be known, living to have possessions, living to be successful, the Lord loves you too much to let you get established in that and successful all the way to where you lose sight of what is really valuable. Because nothing in this world makes it to the other side except what you send ahead. Wherever your treasure is, there your heart is. Examine your works, Galatians 6, but let every man prove his own work and then he'll have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. And I know I've covered a lot of little things and I I can't do this each week, uh, but I'm going to make this outline available on our app or on, on the website and you can download it and go through this at home if you want to because it's so much minutia in this as well. But examine your works. We are not saved by works, but we are rewarded by works. You are not rewarded in the life to come, not in this life or the one to come, for anything God has done for you. He saved me, sanctified me, filled me with the Holy Ghost, that with the burning fire. He set me free. He's put a song in my heart. He's, he's gave me like a hind's feet, and he set me upon a mountain. He's brought me into a large place. All those things is what he did. Reward does not come from what he did. It comes from what you did. What are your works? We're not saved by works, but the evidence of that salvation is us working for him. Works, it's the funny thing about works. It looks like work. Looks like work. What do you do for the Lord? And I know, I know most of you here serve the Lord. You serve him with your time, your gifts, your abilities, your resources. But don't grow weary in that. Examine yourself. I know a couple of these guys. How many of y'all have your own business here? Okay. How many of you have over a crew? Okay. How many of you work alongside a crew of people? Now, I want you to be as honest in this and then apply it to yourself. Do you know which ones are sorry and which ones aren't? Could you prove it in a court of law? You said, yes, 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 yes. Why is it they don't think it's that obvious? You say, no, you don't, don't, don't nobody work now. No one will work. There's an, there's an entitlement. There's a, yeah, that's what's in the church. That's what's in the church. These people that volunteer for the nursery all the time. Y'all are wearing the saints out. All these ladies are withered and all the colors gone out of their hair. Say, what happened? No, nobody else will help. And they're in the nursery every week. I know what happened. That was a joke. That was. In the church, as we purpose, as we purpose, we should, as often as we have opportunity, do good to all people, especially those in the household of faith. If you examined your work ethic, well, it's in this local church, but it's surely not exclusively this local church. How much of your Christian life looks like work? That should be mixed in with the receiving of grace 
Yes? Okay. It's your opportunity to fully and forever be cleansed, forgiven and cleansed from all unrighteousness. If our musician would come, please. And it's your opportunity to bypass chastisement and temporal judgment. Personal, accurate, severe, divine. One of the things that motivates me to examine myself is the fear of the Lord. He's slow to wrath, but his wrath is white hot. White hot. For the believer, knowing that I can't ever be judged for that, is the deepest sigh of thank you, God. Because people like your pastor would spontaneously combust if it weren't for the mercy of God. What do you think it means by it? We'd, we'd be consumed. If it wasn't for his mercy, we'd be consumed. Several years ago, somebody met me in my office to set me straight, kind of, you know. You know how we need that, pastors. Love that. And he met with me and he said, thank you for meeting with me. And he took about 15 minutes. He hardly drew breath and just set me straight. And I said, may, may I respond? And he goes, sure. I said, uh, first of all, I'm not guilty of anything that you said. And he goes, see? I said, may I finish? Sure. I'm not guilty of those things that you said, but I'm guilty of so much worse things that you didn't say. Can we just call it even and you pray for me that I'll be a better pastor and a better man? And I knelt in front of this joker. He don't go here no more. The Lord led him on. Thank you, Lord. And I... So he, he put his hands on me, and I'm, I'm just being honest, and prayed a very pharisaical prayer, kind of like double speak so he could send me little signals. And I got up, and when he left, he was miserable, and I was free. How are you free? Because he come in to judge me, and I'd already been judged. Ain't no pedestal here, baby. He that lives on short pedestals, when he falls off, he walks again. John, are you innocent? No, I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. There is therefore now no judgment to me. That sounds fair. No, the bloodied Savior took mine. The beaten Savior took mine. I'm guilty. I'm worse than guilty. But I judged myself. And I agreed with the word. And I humbled myself. In the sight of the Lord. And the Lord lifted me up. And this examination is a life key. It's a key to peace. Peace with God and the peace of God. Listen. Peace with God and the peace of God. God, are you and I good? Yeah. And the peace flows. How how, how do they make it in this world without that? Peace with God and the peace of God. It's a key. When there's no judgment, peace flows freely. It's a life key to freedom. Galatians 5 says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made you free, and don't be entangled again. I find that when my conscience is clear, 
My feet are light. Our youth is restored. We sleep better. We feel better. We laugh more often. We enjoy the simple things. I don't know who this is for. This is not in my notes. When you have to remind yourself to smile at certain things instead of the smile coming naturally, something's wrong. But the forgiven heart is a light heart. <laughs> Man, I, I, I have no desire that I can tell at this stage in my life for you to be impressed with me. There's nothing to be impressed about. I am forgiven though. I am washed. I am set apart. I am forgiven because he is merciful, long-suffering, plenteous in mercy and in truth. And it leads to freedom. Freedom is not just a patriotic idea. It means I can go to the right and live. I can go forward and live. God can take me backward and I'm live. I can go this way. I am free no matter which way life takes me. You can put me in prison and still be free. The soul free to walk with God and worship God. It's a life key to confidence. Beloved, if your heart condemn you not, then you have confidence toward God. 1 John 3. And this won't take but a few more minutes. About three minutes will be done. But this is critical. I need to, I need to instruct you on this. One of the uh, repercussions of the self-examined life and the key to life is that when I repent, I become confident. If there's nothing between God and I, I feel his pleasure. I feel his nearness. I see him before me defending, going before me providing. I see him behind me watching the backside. I, I, I see goodness and mercy has followed me all the days of my life. A confidence starts to swell that whether I live or die, I'm the Lord's. The word starts to become life to you. If you abide in him and he abides in you and those words, his words abide in you. There's a confidence that I'm going to ask what I will and he's going to take care of me. The Bible said that the righteous, those in right standing with God, are bold as a lion. Not not an arrogance. There's a confidence. When you say, deal the next card. God and I can handle it. Deal the card. And finally, it's a life key to joy. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. One of the reasons that churches, not this one, thank the Lord, that churches entertain from the pulpit now instead of lead worship is because there's no joy in the crowd. So we just sing about God or sing about faith, uh, Christian things instead of to God. But the joy of the Lord is, God, you and I good? Yeah. And then everything else is small. And nothing eternal can be lost. Nothing eternal can be lost. Nothing eternal can be lost. That which he's done for me and that's which I've sent ahead, he'll keep into that day. Joy. Used to sing a song, I got joy like a river. Joy like a river in my soul. We don't sing those no more, do we? God wants to heal us just as much as he wanted to forgive us. And if you will examine yourself, then he won't judge you after that. 
And that's what I want you to do. It's, it's not a feel good today. I want you to find time when you go home today or tomorrow and take that communion cup and you say, search me, Lord. And I'm not taking again till I just feel a peace. Now, you don't have to go digging up. This is the most important part of the message. You're not the Holy Spirit. Don't go digging up old letters and go online and did I reply to this email and trying to dig up. No, don't dig nothing. Just sit in front of us. Is there anything between you and me? He'll show you. The Holy Spirit will lead you to holiness. Would you stand with me this morning? And don't forget on your way out to help yourself, please, to the communion here. In just a moment, Josh, I wanted you to play that song at the end for me, if you will, the one I told you about. Uh, there are several of us that have went through this, or you've known someone that went through horrible bouts of cancer. Anyone know that? Just slip your hand up. You've walked with someone horrible. There's two things you want to hear when you go into surgery, or when your dad or your mom goes into surgery, your babies. They say we went in, and they almost always say there was more than we, it's more than we thought. But then you wait for this. Listen. But we got it all. He said, what? We got it all. Before we sewed your mama up, we got it all. When you look into the law of liberty tonight, and it's just you and Jesus, before you close your Bible, he's, we got it all, didn't we, Lord? It's all done, baby. Sleep good. And you close your Bible. And the point of this message happens. Don't you dare utter my name. You just say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Would you play that for me, Josh?
What a word. Examine ourselves. See that we are in the faith. Uh, I just want to thank Pastor John for being a man that stands for biblical truth that doesn't compromise scripture or the truth of scripture for likes, for follows, for uh, the tinsel crowns that many in the pulpit chase today. And uh, I, I, I would like for us to just honor him because he loves us too much to get up here and say something that is not biblically accurate and shepherd us and lead us according to scripture. So if you would just honor our pastor. Coming from somebody who gets an opportunity to teach and preach from time to time, those messages like that are hard. They weigh on you. It's a lot easier as a person in the flesh to just stand up and, and give you a word of encouragement, but it, that's a little more difficult. So that's why I just want to, if this is your first time here and, and you're, you've been under bad teaching, I just want you to know you, you have a pastor here that is dedicated to bringing the truth of scripture to you all the time. And it stings sometimes and it hurts sometimes, but the, the Lord's punishment is proof that we are his children. He punishes those he loves to bring us closer to him. Amen. Now, before you leave, don't forget to come get your elements. Father, we thank you for this body of believers, Lord. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you give us the opportunity to see ourselves clearly so that we may repent and walk closer to you, Father. We love you so much, God. We thank you. Just be, it is hard to put into words. It's indescribable, Lord, how thankful we are for what you have done for us and how you allow us to walk in fellowship with you, Father. We love you and commit this day to you. Amen. Uh, tonight at five in the grill. Uh, it's not Pastor John, though. It, it'll be me. So I'm <laughs> just heads up for people that don't want to make the trip. <laughs> Y'all have a good Sunday. <laughs>